VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And we do welcome you to Crosstalk here on VCY America. Ladies and gentlemen, you may not know this, but last week, February 13th through the 15th, was the World Government Summit 2023. It was held in Dubai, United Arab Emirates. The theme of that event was shaping future governments. Now, friends, we're going to be uh, sharing some information here today on the broadcast, and this is really not making its way around the world by any stretch of the imagination. But, friends, you need to know what is going on because we see that there is uh, pointing to a time, if you look in Revelation chapter 13, about one who is going to be known as uh, one who is Antichrist. And uh, certainly we see the the uh, stepping stones being put into place for all of this to come about. Klaus Schwab, who heads the World Economic Forum, was one of the many speakers who spoke on the state of the world. We're going to get to that address in just a little bit later, but first, I'd like to share with you a little bit more about this World Government Summit that unfolded last week. This was uh, bringing together leaders. It was bringing together global experts, decision makers from around the globe to share and contribute to the development of tools, policies, and models that are essential in shaping future governments. Three, over 300 sessions, over 200 speakers, 20-plus reports, over 80 bilateral agreements and high-level meetings taking place, uh, over 80 international, regional, and intergovernment organizations, 280-plus uh, government delegations, 22 forums. The agenda focusing on shaping a better future for humanity, highlighting six main themes. Here were the themes of this World Government Summit last week. Accelerating development and governance, empowering governments to establish government models, creative policies, and technologies through accelerating government service innovation to accommodate global societies. Also, the future of societies in healthcare, the impact of globalization on virtual societies, and the importance of addressing issues of ethical design becoming increasingly important. The state of global healthcare systems, including mental well being while further analyzing its future developments will be addressed under that theme. There was also the exploring, uh, what they call exploring the front lines, pushing the boundaries of knowledge through science and technology to resolve prominent challenges and grasp opportunities on the horizon of the next decade. The uh, next uh, purpose was governing economic resilience and connectivity strengthening and implementing economic frameworks and policies to accelerate connectivity and economic recovery needs to be urgently addressed by mitigating mitigating consequences of severe man-made crises governments can achieve economic resilience prosperity and transparency there is also the global city design and sustainability ex- uh, that is accelerating sustainability securing resources for our rapid Urbanizing world is direly important. Talking about sustainable energy, production, coupled with citizens' engagement, governments can create better sustainable cities. And then that last purpose was prioritizing learning and work. Learning and work that would be vital in achieving and improving generational changes. Governments need to adopt to these rapid changes within workforces and educational sectors to establish new mindsets new work models, new national development, and upskilling. This uh, World Government Summit that unfolded last week, can I just share with you some of the uh, individuals, some of the workshops that were going on last week? Uh, Opening remarks by the chairman of the board of the Arab Monetary Fund, also the chairman of the Islamic Development Bank Group, the director of the Middle East and Central Asia Department International Monetary Fund. An opening session, uh, was given by the Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund, also by Mohammed al Husani, Minister of State for Financial Affairs with the United Arab Emirates. Positively, uh, positivity and Triumph, the Arab Story, was one of the sessions. The Role of Digital Content and Postmodern Identity. 
The Arabic language, our unifying identity. Here's another, managing climate risk and opportunities, fiscal policy and climate change. Today's role models, Bahrain's perspective. Today's role models, Egypt's perspective. Today's role models, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia's perspective. I didn't see one that listed the United States perspective. Anyways, unlocking the potential value of public data and artificial intelligence. The role of data in government development. Uh, We also see uh, another one here that is uh, a decade of change. A minister of cabinet affairs with the UAE at the World Government Summit. The state of the world, Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chair of the World Economic Forum. We'll be hearing from him just a little bit later. Post-globalization, what's next for global trade, including the director of the World Trade Organization. There was a Minister of State for Artificial Intelligence and Digital Economy that was presenting energy security in a net zero future, shaping the future, policy making in a dynamic world. And what I found interesting as well is that as they had some of these international speakers that they also then brought on individuals from the media, like Richard Quest, correspondent and anchor with CNN. Uh, There was also a presenter from Sky News Arabia, different people from different media outlets. And friends, uh, when we see this whole impetus toward world government take place, the media is very much uh, a active player in all of this. Uh, Here's another workshop, redesigning policymaking for a complex world. Um, Key predictions for a changing world order. Ten Ways Robotics Can Transform Our Future, Accelerating Tech, The New Frontier for Policy Making, Climate Beyond 2050, Governance, Technology, and Supply Chains, uh, Urban Planning, Pathways to Well-Being, Can Governments Build an Omni Economy, Metahuman versus Humanization, Game Changer, A Digitally Divide, Actions Toward the 2030 Agenda, Government Action to Accelerate Gender Balance and Regional Growth, Geopolitical wave shaping our global economy. These are some of the workshops and events held during this worldwide government summit last week. Space and planet, the universal race to save Earth. Equalities driving harmonious actions toward a peaceful and just world. I see also there is uh, navigating a new world. Our Gulf governments ready for the future. Future governments, talent at the heart of readiness. Redefining government efficiency, future of participatory governance. Uh, here's building a better brain for any age. Shaping future governments in global universities challenge. Uh, there is also ready to lead, shaping the agenda of the future. Uh, driving positive change, the rise of women in government. The role of tax policy to drive global growth, prosperity, and climate action. The superpowers of women leaders, time to step up. The earth, women's leading sustainability. Our concerned future, a deeper look at forces fragmenting our world. Public-private partnerships to accelerate gender parity and economic development. Are you getting the flavor here of what's going on? Climate changes health. Their roadmap to COP28, prioritizing action. Uh, we also uh, see one, the future of digital education, opportunities and challenges. How to control the weather, a case study in super villainy and government. Uh, here's the next global health priorities. What, why, and how. You can guess who the speaker was for that. Yes, the director of the World Health Organization, Tedros Ghebreyesus. Uh, There was also, let me just share a few more that came in, uh, designing a future without boundaries, uh, gender pressure, global regulations demand in age of disruption, a legal and regulatory transformation designing for the future, effectively market to millennials and Gen Z. We see how the tide is turning with younger generations, governments and the changing world order. Navigating Tomorrow's Storms, Lessons for the Next Generation. And uh, on and on, the race to decarbonization, opportunities for growth. Folks, I've just read a sampling of the many issues that were going on in this World Health Government Summit that took place last week in Dubai, United Arab Emirates. I uh, found it very interesting to hear an address that was made by Klaus Schwab. He is the founder of the World Economic Forum, 
And he said that whoever masters technologies like AI, that's artificial intelligence, the metaverse, and synthetic biology will in some way be the master of the world. The master of the world. Artificial intelligence, but not only artificial intelligence, also the metaverse, new space technologies. He said, I could go on and on. Synthetic biology, our life will be in 10 years from now, will be completely different, very much affected. One who masters those technologies in some way will be the master of the world. Well, he gave a talk titled The State of the World at the annual World Government Summit in Dubai, February 13th. It was held under the theme of Shaping Future Governments. Uh, We're going to uh, get part of that uh, address now, and uh, we'll be listening to more in the next segment. Klaus Schwab. Your Highnesses, Your Excellencies, esteemed participants, Minister Mohamed Kagabe, Chairman of the World Government Summit. It's a great pleasure to be here and to congratulate you, Minister. It's the 10th anniversary, and the World Economic Forum is very proud to have been a founding partner of this event. Ladies and gentlemen, today people may ask, what is the purpose of such events? In a fragmented world, to come together to reflect about the future, to see the new developments which you ministers described so well is absolutely essential. There are some people who claim we are now in a deglobalizing world, but actually I would say we have to reglobalize this world. We have to make sure that we strengthen cooperation because As it was mentioned, we are faced with issues which are of existential importance for humankind. Again, folks, did you catch that? Some people claim we're in a deglobalizing world. We must re-globalize. Let's continue on. Our common future is at stake. When we finished our annual meeting in Davos just three weeks ago. There was a lot of discussion about what some people call the capability of humankind to cope with so many challenges at the same time. There was a world of multi-crisis. But actually, we are not in a world of multi-crisis. We are in a world where simultaneously we are caught in deep systematic transformation processes. So there's a difference between a crisis and a transformation. If you manage a crisis, you want to come back to the original point as fast as possible. You want to correct the situation. But in a transformational situation, you have to manage change to come out at the end of the transformation in a better situation compared to the beginning. Friends, we're going to stop right here. We'll come back with more of that address. Uh, Talks about uh, the fact that uh, we are in a transformation. This is not about just managing a crisis, but a transformation. Back in a minute here on Crosstalk. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and president of the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, is it true that the Archaeopteryx was the transition between reptiles and birds? Chris, it's very popular to say these days that dinosaurs evolved into birds, but this doesn't square with the evidence. Evolutionists claim the ancestor of the birds is Archaeopteryx, a fossil with some features of dinosaurs and some of birds. Now, even though I would question their claim about Archaeopteryx, it's still dated at 30 million years older than the dinosaur. Obviously, the dinosaurs were not its ancestor. Even most evolutionists have given up on Archaeopteryx. It looks like they were separate right from the start. 
Of course, that's what the Bible says. Back in Genesis, we read that birds were created on day five of creation week and land animals like dinosaurs on day six. Evolution has it backwards. For more on creation, visit our website at www.icr.org. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. We're talking about the World Government Summit that was held just last week in Dubai, United Arab Emirates. And uh, Klaus Schwab is uh, speaking. Uh, He spoke at one of the many, many, many events that went on on a topic called the State of the World. Now, again, he is a founding partner of the World Economic Forum. Schwab is is, uh, uh, born in Germany. He was born under the Nazi regime founded the World Economic Forum in 1971. Uh, the uh, Transfer, Transnational Institute has suggested, and I'm looking here at uh, a story that came from WND.com, but the Transnational Institute has suggested that the WEF, World Economic Forum, wants to run a silent coup d'etat that would capture global governance. Matter of fact, they call it a silent global coup d'etat that would capture global governance. Very interesting indeed. And if you heard what he said just before the break about uh, the matter of the multi-crises, and matter of fact, he had mentioned that uh, in a crisis, you try to go back, you know, to where you were at the beginning, to go back to normal. But that's not what this is about. That's not what's going on in the world. We are in a transformation. That is the goal to transform the world. You have to manage change. We're going to continue on with his address. The world at the moment, as I just mentioned, faces many of those transformational processes, systemic processes, structural changes. I just want to mention three. The first, of course, is the economic transformation. These two main catalytic factors and forces, the energy transformation. Just imagine, in 2050, the world will have the double of its present GDP, even if we grow with only 3% per year. It will have 10 billion of inhabitants, but it still needs energy. And we have at the same time to reach the objectives of the Paris Agreement to decarbonize, to reach zero carbon emissions, or net zero, as it is called. But it's not just this transformation, this energy transformation, which will cost the estimates are three trillion a year. It's not only the only factor being pushing this economic transformation. I think we should not underestimate the big reshaping of global supply chains, which is just happening now. Now, the political transformation. Now, just before he goes on to political, did you hear him talk about the the transformation of the global supply chains, which is happening right now? Sometimes, as we've looked at uh, the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, and has been criticized for criticized for his ineptness in handling that issue and so many other transportation matters going on. No, friends, it's it's really about the bigger picture here. They're seeking to transform the the global supply chain, the supply chain. That's what he was just referencing there, which is underway right now, which he talked about. This is not just something that happened. It's part of the plan, part of the plan. Now, he is talking about this economic transformation, reshaping the global supplies, decarbonizing and so forth to zero emissions. He said it's going to cost about $3 trillion a year. This is under the economic transformation, and now he just introduced the political transformation as well. Minister, you mentioned it. 
We are moving from a world more or less dominated by one superpower into a patchwork of multipower world, of a multipower world with one superpower, one competing superpower, aspiring superpowers like India, middle powers, but also rogue states, companies who have become global powers, technology companies, social media. So we will move in a very fragmented world in a, and hopefully not too fractured world, where we have to make sure that the rule of law is not trampled with the feet, but where we maintain the necessary framework for global cooperation. And I would, I see Dr. Ngozi, who at least in the trade field tries so hard to maintain a global rules-based order. The third transformation which we have to face is what you just mentioned, Minister. I wrote in 2015 the book, The Fourth Industrial Revolution, and I mentioned 23 or 24 technologies which will change the world, like crypto and so on and so on. The book was considered science fiction. All those technologies have become reality, and there are new technologies. And I would say we are in the second minute or whatever you we want to call, we are at the beginning. When you look at it, at technology transformation, it usually takes place in, in the terms of an S-curve. And we are just now where we move into the exponential phase. And I agree, artificial intelligence, but not only artificial intelligence, <clears throat> but also the metaverse, new space technologies, and I could go on and on, synthetic biology. Our life in 10 years from now will be completely different, very much affected, and who masters those technologies in some way will be the master of the world. Okay, again. This is very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so just backing up, in 2015, Schwab had written a book. It was called The Fourth Industrial Revolution, and he mentioned all these technologies. I think there were some 20 technologies that will change the world. And he said all these technologies have become reality, he said at this World Government Summit last week, um, while also adding that humanity is moving into the exponential phase of technology transformation. And then he talked like uh, AI, that's artificial intelligence, metaverse, uh, cryptocurrencies was part of it, space tech, a synthetic biology that will change the world. Uh, and then, as you just heard that sentence, I just want to emphasize it, our life in 10 years from now will be completely different, very much affected, and who masters those technologies in some way will be the master of the world. Now, what does it mean for governments and for government officials? Four things. First, since we speak about the transformation process, we have to be ambitious in our thinking. How do we want to come out at the end of this transformation process? And we have to see the opportunities because we, through joint efforts, we could really make this world a better place by using the capabilities we have. So ambition is very important. Believing into the positive force of those transformational changes. The second advice is to have 
see speed. You cannot catch up with the new technologies. You have to be a front runner because otherwise you will be on the losing outside. Adaptability is the next factor. And adaptability requires permanent upskilling and reskilling. And the last factor I want to mention is resilience, the capability to bounce back because there will be certainly what we call the black swans, the unpleasant surprises which will come. Let me just pause there because I had not heard black swan before. And uh, so I just went to that uh, Source that I know is not an end-all authority, but Wikipedia does talk about the black swan, and here's what they state. Now, this comes after he spoke about economic transformation. We need to have speed. We need to have ability. We need to have resilience. And then he mentions the black swan. The black swan theory or theory of black swan events is a metaphor that describes an event that comes as a surprise, has a major effect and is often inappropriately rationalized after the fact with the benefit of hindsight. The term is based on an ancient saying that presumed black swans did not exist. It goes on from there, but uh, mentions the disproportionate role of high-profile, hard-to-predict, and rare events that are beyond the realm of normal expectations in history, science, finance, and technology. The non computability of the probability of uh, consequential rare events using the scientific methods and the psychological biases that blind people both individually and collectively to uncertainty and the substantial role of rare events in historical affairs. So he is describing events that may come as a surprise, has a major effect, but then rationalized after afterwards. In our way. So... Minister, dear participants, I wish you a very good meeting. And just as a last point, I want to say the most important factor to master the future is leadership. And for me, I have my own definition. Leadership comprises five dimensions. Soul, brain, heart, muscles, and good nerves. Let me explain. Soul stands for purpose, for ambition. Brains, for professionalism, for permanently upgrading your capabilities. Heart, for passion. We have to be passionate about what we are doing. Otherwise, we will fail. Muscles for the capability to translate our vision into action, into impact. And good nerves to have the resilience to withstand all the difficult situations. So I wish you soul, brain, heart, muscles, and good nerves. Thank you. And we're going to pause right here. We'll be back with more uh, from this World Government Summit in just one minute. You're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. One of the prevalent conflicts in society is the battle over gender and marriage. We are flooded with stories pertaining to drag queen story hours, the restroom debates, gender reassignment surgeries, pronoun identification, biological males on female athletic teams, and so much more. These issues are not only confronting schools and businesses, but they have also encroached inside the church. Many are left wondering how to deal with these matters. The book, The Marriage and Gender War, addresses these issues head-on by using the absolute standard for morality as found in God's Word. 
and is edited by Bodie Hodge and Ken Ham. The book is designed to equip students, parents, Christian leaders, and others to uphold the truths of Scripture on these critical issues. The Gender and Marriage War is available for a donation of $16 by calling VCY at 1-800-729-9829. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. We're talking about the World Government Summit, specifically just one of the addresses given there. And by the way, you'll find out so much more at their site, worldgovernmentsummit.org, worldgovernmentsummit.org. But uh, playing uh, excerpts here from the uh, uh, speech that was given by uh, Klaus Schwab, who is the uh, head of the World Economic Forum. And uh, he just delivered uh, that speech there and talked about the need for economic transformation, to have speed and ability and resilience and and then leadership uh, to carry this all out. Uh, after he spoke, he had a little sit down there and was interviewed with a couple questions. Uh, let's hear that right now. Professor, a couple of weeks ago in Davos, you met almost all uh, global leaders, uh, government, private sector. What's your takeaway from the meeting this year? I have seen participants enormously engaged in all the different task forces which we uh, have organized, catalyzed, which we curate. And I think if you look at the future, what is absolutely essential is this cooperation of the different stakeholders of global society. Governments bring the directive power. Business brings the innovative power. Civil society brings the concern power. Academia brings the power of truth. And maybe I should add media, which brings the critical dimension in this dialogue. And we need all those stakeholders to shape together the future. We're going to stop right there, but did you hear him reference the media, how important the media was in all of this as well? Friends, there's more from that time, but the clock is not going to allow us to continue on because there's other information we want to share with you as well uh, taking place. For instance, there was another talk that was given by one named Ian Bremer, president and founder of Eurasia Group. The organization is a political risk consultancy that views global governance as the solution to majority of the world's problems. Uh, They uh, view crisis events as useful for furthering centralization. Uh, I'm looking uh, right now at Sons of Liberty Media on this matter. And Bremer includes the COVID pandemic in his list of valuable disasters. Why? He does not elaborate, but likely because disasters cause public fear, and fear is easy to exploit. While Bremer seeks to admonish increased protectionism and nationalism in recent years, it is clear that he views national tensions as a valuable tool for the eventual endgame, which happens to be global government. And uh, friends, we're just going to air a brief excerpt from what he had to say at the event. We see that misalignment playing out, and all of them are challenging globalization. They're all creating some of the crises that we see in our headlines around the world and in this region today is that those crises create the seeds of a new order. And that's all of this nationalism, all the protectionism we see around the world. My country's been doing it. Donald Trump said, America first. Now, that that is not meant to appeal to people outside the U.S. It's globalization adrift. It's globalization constrained but it's also globalization continuing. And I think that's really critical. A few takeaways from that. The EU will be politically stronger in a more challenging environment, economically, and from a security perspective, you will see the EU with stronger energy policy, fiscal policy, health policy, defense policy, and tech policy than at any point since the EU was created. Because of these crises, because of the geopolitical concerns, because of the pandemic, 
because of Brexit. This is uh, Ian Bremmer speaking, uh, president and founder of Eurasia Group. Very interesting comments there as well. And something that just seemed out of the ordinary uh, in, as a counter to all of this was none other than Elon Musk. Uh, and uh, he's taken the opportunity in his appearance before the World Government Summit to warn against having a world government. Here they are convening to have world government, um, uh, worldgovernmentsummit.org. And yet Elon Musk spoke, and we have just a brief excerpt from what Elon Musk had to say at this event. One thing I should say, and I know this is called the World Government Summit, um, but um, I think we should be maybe a little bit concerned about uh, actually becoming too much of a single world government. Um, if, If I may say that we want to avoid creating a civilizational risk by having, um, frankly, this may sound a little odd, too much cooperation between governments. Um, you know, if you know, if you look at say the, at history and the rise and fall of civilizations, um, that the really all throughout history, civilizations have risen and fallen. But it hasn't meant the doom of humanity as a whole because there've been there've been all these separate civilizations that were separated by great distances. And so, um, you know, say like while Rome was falling, it, uh, it, you know, uh, Islam was rising. And uh, so you had like a, uh, you know, the, the sort of caliphate do, doing incredibly well while Rome was doing terribly. Um, and that actually ended up being a source of preservation of knowledge uh, and, uh, and many scientific advancements. And so, um, so I think we want to be a little bit cautious about uh, being too much of a world, of a single uh, civilization, because if we are too much of a single civilization, then if, if, we, if the whole the whole thing may collapse. Um, I'm not, obviously not suggesting war or anything like that, but I think we want to be a little bit wary of actually cooperating too much. It sounds a little odd, but um, but we, we just we, we want to have some amount of civilizational diversity such that if uh, if something does go wrong with some part of civilization, that the whole thing doesn't collapse uh, and, 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 you know, humanity keeps moving forward. Isn't that interesting? Interesting comments in light of the fact that we know that all the world is going to come together, come together one day, one day against Israel, and that certainly we're going to see the return to the Mount of Olives by Jesus Christ, and uh, then then we'll measure our judgment upon the remaining humanity at that time. But it's very interesting for him to make such remarks. Now, friends, also on the practical side of this, and I'm looking here at the Epic Times, the Biden administration is preparing to sign up the United States to a legally binding accord with the World Health Organization. This would give the Geneva-based UN subsidiary the authority to dictate America's policies during a pandemic. Despite widespread criticism of the WHO's response to the COVID pandemic, U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary Becerra joined with WHO Director, uh, uh, this would be uh, the General uh, uh, Tedros Cabreasis, in September and announced the U.S. WHO strategic dialogue. Together, they developed a platform to maximize the longstanding U.S. government-WHO partnership and to protect and promote the health of all people around the globe, including the American people, it says. The discussions and others spawned the zero draft of a pandemic treaty published on February 1st that now seeks ratification by all 194 WHO member states. A meeting of the WHO's intergovernmental negotiating body is scheduled for February 27th to work out the final terms, which all members will then sign. Written under the banner of the World Together Equitably, the Zero Draft counts the WHO the power, rather grants them the power, to declare and manage a global pandemic emergency. Once a health emergency is declared, all signatories, including the United States, would submit to the authority of the World Health Organization regarding treatments, government regulations such as lockdowns and vaccine mandates, global supply chains, and monitoring and conveyance of populations. Rather, make that surveillance of populations. Friends, let me just say this. These are things that are working right now. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin has joined with some colleagues 
to introduce what's called the No WHO Pandemic Preparedness Treaty Without Senate Senate Approval Act. Uh, The legislation would require any convention or agreement resulting from the work of the World Health Organization um, from their negotiating body to be deemed a treaty requiring the advice and consent of a supermajority of the Senate. Sad to say, President Biden doesn't see it that way. But you can certainly be in contact with your senators. To my knowledge, this does not have a bill number yet. Uh, it was just uh, released here on Friday. But it, it, again, is referred to as the No Who, that's World Health Organization, Pandemic Preparedness Treaty Without Senate Approval Act. There is a link to this legislation from Senator Ron Johnson's website at the U.S. Senate. All of this is taking place, friends. Again, it is not getting this world back to normal. We can't go back to normal. They want to go back. It's all about transformation. So when you've heard things like the Great Reset, this is exactly what they're talking about. It's world-dominated control that is going to take place from entities like the World Economic Forum. I'd like to open our phone lines here at this point and give you opportunity to react to what you've heard today on Crosstalk. Our number is 800-733-9829. That's 1-800-733-9829. And while we await upon your calls, let's hear from the UN Secretary uh, or CEO of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, is which he spoke at the G20 Summit not too many months ago. Excellencies, distinguished participants of this very important meeting. First, of course, if you look at all the challenges, we can speak about a multi-crisis, an economic, a political, a social, an ecological, an institutional crisis. But actually, what we have to confront is a deep, systemic, and structural restructuring of our world. And this will take some time. And the world will look differently after we have gone through this transition process. Politically, the driving forces for this political transformation is the transition into a multipolar world which has a tendency to make our world much more fragmented. Isn't this something? Let's go to Joe in Laval, Wisconsin. Joe, you're on the air. Hello, Mr. Schneider. I just want to first say I appreciate VCY, America's ministry, and I really respect what's going on across talk. Now, with that said, when I was in college about 20 years ago, Required reading was the Spencer Johnson book, Who Moved My Cheese? And the gist of it is change is constant. We cannot stop it. Maybe we can slow it down, but someone's going to move our cheese. And I guess my possibly naive question to you, uh, Mr. Shire, is BCY stands for Voice of Christian Youth. So I'm curious as to why a few young presenters and why most presenters tend to be wary of change. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's it's not the change for the for the matter of change. It's what we are changing to. And when we're talking about the surrender to world government and world powers, that's something that uh, certainly uh, would be the objection toward toward a world of uh, uh, global economy to world control to remove the sovereignty of a nation to subvert the constitution of the United States. Uh, that's not the change that that we are looking for. That's not the, the change that has made this nation what it is. And guess what? Biblical Christianity is not part of it. It's not welcome. Back in a minute here on Crosstalk. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. We hear the term transhumanism an awful lot today. But what is transhumanism? Transhumanism is really the new name for eugenics. Eugenics declares that only certain people should be allowed to procreate. Other people should be sterilized or their children should be aborted. This was promoted largely by Julian Huxley. In fact, he's credited with being the one to coin the term transhumanism. 
He was the first executive director of the United Nations Education Scientific Cultural Organization. He wrote in one of his papers in the 40s that we needed to start thinking about eugenics so that the impossible would one day become possible. And there's more and more talk now on who should be allowed to have children and who should not. There have even been those who have talked about the idea of licensing parents or putting sterilants in the water and the government decides who can procreate. Transhumanism is eugenics. You know, further to Joe's uh, phone call there before the break, uh, do you want this World Health Organization being the one to mandate if you have a shot and that you uh, are not able to travel without it? That the World Health Organization can dictate to you that you must stay in your home or who you can associate with, where you can go, if your church door should be closed? Oh, that's change. But, friends, that's not the direction of change that, that we desire. It totally goes against, certainly, these freedoms that we have in our land. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, just as that break was uh, uh, coming upon us so quickly, is the fact that biblical Christianity is not part of this. The tolerance of, of uh, Scripture on, and of uh, the belief in one God and His Son, Jesus Christ, is not part of their dynamic. Let's go next to Shelley calling in from Cookville, Tennessee. Hi, Shelley, you're on the air. Uh, yes. Hey, I just wanted to call and say it sounds like so many things are converging now for 2023. Yeah. Um, but Schwab's speech really sounded like a pre-game coded pep talk. You know, like yeah. they're. I think there's something behind the words he uses, and they all know what it is. And it's yeah. For let's it, go. Yeah, indeed. I mean, one of the things he talked about was synthetic biology, which involves changing the organism's genetic code by infusing it with another creature's DNA. It's a radical step up from genome editing, and they're they're a big proponent of this methodology. And and uh, so yeah, there are the, these little key words that are being used, and uh, but there is great meaning behind them. Yeah, terribly evil. Thank you for the call. Tucson, Arizona. Greg, you're on the air. I can't thank you enough for your program. <laughs> Always in pursuit of truth. And, and by the way, before my comment, thank you for pointing out what many may know but need to hear, that biblical Christianity is just not in the soup yeah. at all. Yeah. Not one of the ingredients. And, you know, maybe I'm far out on this, you can respond. The use of the boycott, I mean, the American colonists did it effectively, boycotting British goods. Uh, the left has certainly targeted certain businesses like bakeries and whatnot that won't adhere to gay, gay weddings. Why couldn't somebody at that World Health Organization must be a key American entrepreneur who owns a business that we could boycott? One by one, Christians, just pick one business to begin with, and then just let ripples flow from that. I just wonder what your thoughts are on that. Thank you, Greg. Well, you know, one of the issues that's going on with this is that virtually all of corporate America is on board with this. You know, whether it be that of your major credit card holders, as well as the major banks across this nation uh, are, are, are part of this, the, the corporations and they have corporate speakers, whether it be at this event or the World Economic Forum meetings that were held just a little bit ago, the uh, G20, they had many speakers from corporations all across America and, and, uh, and the media is all in bed with them together as well. So it is a uh, scores of corporations and our, our players into this, as well as media forces. So it, it, it certainly would be a major hurdle. But uh, it's it. Uh, I mean, if if you look at your credit cards and you you boycott one, the other is just as much engaged in it as well. Thank you for the call. Okay, Robin in Monticello, Kentucky. You're on the air. Yes, I appreciate you taking my call. I'd like to look at it a little differently. Um, people are wild, you know what I'm saying? They're, um, look, what about the black market and crime? And, uh, they steal, they, they're bullies. We can't control the cities now. Yeah. How are we going to be able to do it? Do you think that we can control anything? They don't do it. I think God is the only one to control anything. Yeah, yeah. And certainly he's turned man to his own way, and that's what we're seeing, the, the fruits of this, uh, 
uh, every man doing that which is right in his own eyes. And we know where this is heading, and uh, certainly we, we call upon people. It's, it's time to repent, turn to Jesus Christ. That's true. Thank you. Great. Thank you for the call. James in New York City, you're on the air. Yes, good afternoon. Uh, I, I tend to listen to this in, in the manner of uh, the New Testament where uh, Satan went to tempt Christ, and he says, if you will worship me, bow down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of mm. the world. Yeah. This is, this is the, the perception that I have of what this whole Davos thing is. Uh, it's, it's basically a sign of the end times. Uh, they, they want to completely turn the world inside out and say there is no God and there is only man. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's a great excuse, but it doesn't work, as we've seen throughout history. And, and the ferocity of which that they are pursuing this is, is devastating, and every Christian out there and everyone who believes in the truth must gird themselves very firmly. There are changes to come. Indeed. Thank you for raising that issue. And it even goes beyond the fact of uh, that uh, uh, there is no God. They want you to believe that they are God. Anonymous caller, go ahead. You're on the air. Yes, hi. I agree with your last caller, actually. Um, we are called to be salt and light, and yes. we don't know the day or the hour of Christ's return. Yes. And this may we this may turn completely around. Look at the revival that's going on. In Asbury and other places, um, with God, all things are possible. Indeed, they are. And so we continue to be salt and light. Thank you for the call. Gilbert, Arizona, we have Robert calling next year on the air. Yes, uh, I just find it curious, uh, the platitudes with which this Klaus Schwab continues to speak, uh, saying so much and really uh, having nothing really no substance to anything that uh, they say. And we just see Romans 1 fulfilled and professing to be wise, they become fools. And I, I think uh, regarding artificial intelligence, it's alive and well and on full display there at the World Economic Forum. That was about it. Okay, thank you for the call. And uh, Marcy, we're down to 30 seconds on the program. You've got the last comment here. Um. Uh, Francis Schaeffer said many years ago in a film series, they will put something in the water. They will, they will do whatever they can to disrupt human nature. And so we have that to think about. And so as far as uh, what's been going on, there's been people talking about it for decades. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you, Marcy, for your comments. Yeah, he, uh, whatever happened to the human race uh, was a big question. But friends, as our friend Jimmy DeYoung would say, uh, now with the Lord, the stage is being set for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. And as callers have mentioned today, the importance of being salt and light. Let's be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, sharing the gospel, the good news, to a world that's greatly in need. God bless you, folks. Thanks for joining us today on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208, or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.